This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, um, before we start and actually talk about the parsha, so this past Friday, I, I was away last week and I came back Thursday night, and um, this past Friday morning, I woke up at 7 o'clock to go to a bris, and I was not feeling well. I was in excruciating pain. Uh, my stomach was like triple the size it should have been. And I knew that there was something very wrong. So um, I told my wife I need to get to the hospital. And um, so we went to the hospital. I knew it wasn't kidney stones. I know what they feel like. And we went to the hospital. And I'm, there's a reason I'm telling you this. Um, so Baruch Hashem, we were very connected in... Um, in Maimonides, so um, I got there, they were waiting for me, they took me in, and um, they started doing tests, a sonogram, and a blood test, and an x-ray, and a, and um, then they did a CAT scan, and this was all Arab Shabbos, and the CAT scan came back that there was a blockage in one of my intestines, and because of when you have a blockage in let me tell you, Ashiyatsu has a different meaning today. Uh, when there's a blockage in the intestines, so everything that, every, nothing can go past that blockage. So everything that you've eaten in the last week is stuck in your intestines and the pain of the pressure of trying to push through is, uh, is crazy. It's beyond, I, I don't even want to describe it. And your stomach gets very distended because the ear and everything has nowhere to go. So, okay. So the guy comes back and says, I could have been worth chas for something. I didn't know what it was. You know, you're always thinking the worst. And he says, like, you have a partially blocked, uh, distended intestinal bowel, whatever. I'm like, just, just tell me how, just get me out of this pain. So give me some painkillers. No, we can't give you painkillers because painkillers slows down the system. And the whole thing is to get the blockage out, which I didn't know is that as everybody is sitting here, Inside your body, your your intestines and your bowels are continuously moving, and they that's how they move the food through your system. They're not just sitting there; they're moving inside. But Hashem made it that you don't feel that. If you took a stethoscope and listened on your belly, you would hear like the ocean is moving in there, all kinds of stuff going on in there. You think there's like a whole there's a whole system in there. So so if you take if you take if you take painkillers. That whole system slows down, and they don't want that system to slow down. So, guess what? No painkillers. So here I am in all this pain, and no painkillers. So the doctor comes to me and says, "There's we don't think we have to do any surgery, but what we have to do is we have to stick this tube um, up your nose, through your throat, into your stomach, and we have to pump out all the food in your all the stuff in your stomach." And then when your stomach's empty, it starts to schlep all the stuff out of your intestines. And then when everything's empty, there's no pressure on the blockage, and the pain will go away. And then this guy takes out this thing, and I'm like, you, you, that doesn't fit into my nose. <laughs> Hello? This is not going to work. And he's like, no, it fits into your nose. I'm like, is it painful? And he says, extremely. So... So I said, well, what's my choices? And he said, well, you could be in a lot of pain and your intestines could burst and we could have to operate and you could be here for months or you're going to let me put this tube in your nose. So I said, this is the deal. Now I'm making a deal with the doctor, like, hello? This is the deal. If I can't handle it, then when I tell you to pull it out, you're going to pull it out. 
And he says, you're an adult. If you tell me to pull it out, I'll pull it out. So I'm like, okay. No one should ever know from the pain of getting something stuck up your nose that size. And... Um, having something in your throat the whole t- something in your throat the whole time and something in your nose the whole time and it was so uncomfortable and you know I've seen so many kids that, that are suffering you know Camp Simcha and things like that with feeding tubes and and like hey I feel good you know it's and bracha no people came to visit me I didn't tell anybody that I was in the hospital but some people found out and they came to visit me and and, and, and Douglas Jablon he should be benched he, he's the head of the, the hospital and he managed to care me like you know he, when you're in your pain it's, I, I was thinking of Yosef Atzadik the whole time I never understood that Rashi and the Rashi says that there were spice traders that took Yosef to Mitzrayim so the Rashi says that because Bochum wanted to show him his love because really, normally, the caravans that went down to Mitzrayim were animal traders. So it stunk really bad. But because they were spice traders, it smelled very good. So in the din, in, in, the, in the pain of being sold by the brothers and going down to Mitzrayim, he, he had to see the, the hand of Hashem, that Hashem sent them down with spices, so that he was in a beautifully smelling caravan instead of, instead of a caravan of animals. So, so when you're in pain and you're in a hospital... And, you know, usually things in the hospital take very slow and, and everyone's moving very fast because of, because Douglas, you know, did this for me. So the said everything, everything, every second counts. So I felt bad because like Erev Shabbos, before he left, he came into my room, I had this thing stuck up my nose and, and you know, every time you swallow, there's a tube in the back of your mouth. It, it, it's crazy and, and you can't eat. They're telling me for the next two days, don't even think about it. You can't drink because you have a tube in your mouth and you can't eat. Um, and if you're very thirsty, you could put some ice on your lips. That's it. You're fasting for forty for the next forty-eight hours, at least, right? So food takes on a different meaning also when you can't eat. So so he walked into my room and he's like, so 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 Rabbi Walsh, how you doing? And I looked at him with these evil eyes, like, what are you crazy? Is something wrong with you? What how do I look like I'm doing? I have a tube up my nose, right, coming down my like. What do you mean? How you doing, right? So so. When you don't feel good, you don't feel good. Anyway, the, the, the bottom line is that, that um, it was very, very uncomfortable. And I was just vowing to Hashem to get this thing out. Just just pull it out. I couldn't. I would not pull it out because when my son, it worked. It, when it emptied out my system, that pain that was in my, in my guts, that was killing me, went away. So even though I had this pain in my nose, you can't blow your nose. You can't sneeze. You don't understand. You, we, we're sitting here like, ah, you sneeze. You're so tight. You blow your nose. You can't do that when you have a tube in your nose. So every little thing, you're sitting there and you're like focusing on what you can't do, right? You can't do anything. So, so it was like, it was crazy. And, and, and so, so Shabbos morning, I, I kept asking, okay, you gotta take this tube out. I feel better, whatever it is. And they're like, no, we have to make sure that the blockage, cause now the pressure's relieved, opened up. So we have to take x-rays. So, so, so I knew that until I get those x-rays, they're not taking that tube out. So the doctor ordered x-rays. It's Saturday, it's Shabbos morning. And they ordered x-rays. And I'm waiting. And it's 9 o'clock and it's 10 o'clock. My wife's with me the whole time. And I keep sending her to the nurse's station. Where are the guys to pick me up for the x-rays? And the nurses are like, you're not the only one in the hospital. And there's other people that need x-rays. And I'm like, I know, but I need to get this out of my face. And this is like every second was like 10 hours. 
So finally, the guy walks in and says, I'm here to take, you know, to, for the x-rays. And then after they took the x-rays, I'm like, did you read the x-rays? Can they take it out? And I, can you read the x-rays? And it's Shabbos afternoon, and it's 2 o'clock, and it's 3 o'clock, and it's 4 o'clock, and you can't even lay in a bed. Do you know what it is to lay in a bed? It's great to lay in a bed. When you have a tube down your throat, if you lay in a bed, it hurts. So you have to sleep sitting in a chair. It's, it's, like, it's like crazy. And you're looking at that bed, and you're like, hey, Akush Boch, I never appreciated a bed when you have to sleep in a chair. And all of a sudden, you begin to appreciate everything. But like everything else, you know, they call the, 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 the toilet, is called the ivory god. Why is it called the ivory god? Because every time a person is nauseous and they're throwing up over the toilet, they start praying to the toilet. I promise I'll be good if you just take this nausea away from me. If I stop throwing up, I'm going to do mitzvahs. I'm going to be the best person. I'm going to treat everyone unbelievable. I'm never going to eat anything I shouldn't eat. Right? You do all this prayer. So it's like the ivory, it's called the ivory god. So when you're sick, you're you take this too bad, I'm going to be about right. But then you forget very fast. You forget very fast. So I didn't want to forget. So I wrote things down when I left the hospital. I really didn't want to forget all those feelings that I had. Anyway, with the jab on, with all the moving, with everything, finally 5.30, Shabbos afternoon, the guy walks in. He says, I'm here to pull your tube out. I'm like, you're Mashiach. <laughs> you may not be Jewish, but you're the non-Jewish Mashiach. Right? And he walks over to me, and he just pulls it out. And I'm like... I'm not connected to the wall anymore because I had intravenous. So I was connected to that thing, right? She didn't do such a good job. She took a few times to find my, my vein, right? So I had that thing poking at me and pulling at me the whole time I was there. So I'm connected to that. I'm connected to the tube behind me that's sucking out the stuff, from, right? So I'm like connected and I'm not a, you're, you're, you're a slave. You're a, you're a prisoner. The, the male, you should be gesund. The male nurse that took care of me Friday night walked into the room and he said, Rabbi, there are two things that I pray to God that should never happen to me. I should never be in prison and I should never be in a hospital. He's my nurse. And I should never be a patient in a hospital because it's a prison. I couldn't go anywhere. I was tied to these tubes. So, so Matzi Shabbos, Sunday is my high school graduation, which was here. So like Mr. Shabbos, I told this guy, I'm like, listen, my wife actually told him, listen, my husband has to be out of here tomorrow. He has graduation, and, and, and nine of his girls are graduating. He says, you have nine children that are graduating? <laughs> right? He didn't hop. And I was like, no, I'm a teacher, and this and that, it's my school, whatever, whatever it is. And why am I telling you this whole thing? It's pretty like, you don't need to hear my, my horror stories. There's a reason I'm telling you this. The reason is as follows. Every second that I waited to get a report back, whether it was my heart, my cardiogram, or my x-ray, or my sonogram, or, every, or my blood tests, every second was like 20 years. And I kept trying to get it back faster, get it back faster, tell them I need it. To get that thing out of my, out of my throat, out of my nose, was like 20 years. The unknown... Not knowing what it was when I woke up was like a hundred years. I thought I was dying. I, I never felt such pain. It could have been Chasr my heart. I didn't know. The pain was so huge. I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. And I said to myself, Chaya Wallerstein, do you know how many times people call you and they're having a problem with a daughter or they're having a situation and you're like, okay, listen, I'm really busy, but I promise you call me back on Thursday. Call me back in two days. Call me back in three days. Call me back in three hours. I'll meet with you next week. To a person whose child is off the derech, 
or is going through something psychological or who's reaching out, every second is, is a tube down their throat. Is the family being uncomfortable? Is, is the panic situation? And I never realized that until this day in the hospital. I never realized that. How much every second till you find out what's going on, till that person gives you the report, till that, till the guy disconnects you, till the guy comes in when you, when you need him, is like 20 years. So, so the next day, so I got out on Sunday. So I came, uh, on Monday, I came to my office and I was gone last week because I was away. I went on vacation to go to the hospital. Go figure that out, right? I came back Thursday night. So I had this pile of emails from the whole week. Now, with me with emails, I'm the worst guy with emails because I don't have a computer. So I have to read the email, then write the answer on the piece of paper, send it to Avivit, then she has to send it back to that person. So, so, what? And read my hand, and read my handwriting, which is not easy. So I'm not so good with emails. I said, you have to love every person like yourself and now you just went through this so you know what yourself the pain that you went through and how every moment waiting for an answer was like a hundred years so the mitzvah just changed because just changed and I sent every person back an email on that whole pile I'm like I gotta answer every single person and I've been trying since then every time I see my phone to pick it up and to answer it because it came to the realization that, that to you, you know, and, and, and most, and a lot of the nurses are like that. It's like, alright, we'll come in an hour, we'll come in two hours, I'll take it out in three hours, calm down. No, when a person's in pain, every second is a hundred hours. It's twenty years. And, and the reason I'm telling you this story is the lesson for everybody, you don't, you don't need to go to the hospital to learn this lesson. I'm giving it to you without you going to the hospital. Is that, that when someone reaches out to you, even though to you it's like, okay, I'll take care of it tomorrow, ma, you know, stop freaking out, I'll take care of it, you know, in two days, in three days. No, to that person, it, every second is like 20 years. And if you start reacting to people that every second is 20 years, then you're going to see how much more you're going to accomplish and how much more sensitive you're going to be to other people. And, and, and I can't even show my across that type to Hashem that, that, he took that tube out of my, my, you know, and, and then people told me afterwards, oh, I have a cousin that had what you had. They were in the hospital for six months, three months, two months. I was in the hospital for two days. So, so, what I definitely learned a, a very, very big lesson, and that is that, that you need to react right away when someone needs you. Because in your world, you have time, but in their world, every second is, 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 is a hundred years. Okay. Thank you. Tell Basti, thank you very much. All right. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, we're here. So I want to, I want to go back a little bit to, um, to last week's parsha, And last week's parsha was, was Pasha's Chukas. And a very interesting thing happened in Pasha's Chukas, which I have spoken about in past years, but we're going to go in a little bit of a, of a, of a different direction. So, so Klai's role was, was complaining. It's, if you want to look it up, it's in Perachof Aleph Pasuk Hey. The the Om spoke to Hashem and to Moshe, and they said, But why did you always complain? Why did you take us out of Mitzrayim to die in the Midbar? There's no bread, and there's no water. And our our our, our hearts are disgusted. The Lechem 
about the, this insubstantial food, which they were talking about the mun, right? Like, we hate the mun. It's not bread, you know, we can't sneak our teeth into it. We hate the mun. So Hashem reacted to this complaint in a very strange way, a different way than he ever act, reacted to Klai Yisrael. He punished them by sending in snakes to bite them. He never did that before. He would tell Moshe Rabbeinu, one more word, I'll destroy them. Why do we have to keep them? They had makefas, right? They, they, they had plagues. Snakes? Hashem sent a bunch of snakes to bite them? It's very unusual. Why would Hashem first of all send snakes? Send lions, send a bunch of animals. Why did he pick snakes? Okay. So the puzzle goes on, and they talk a bit them, and a lot of them hasrafim. They were, they were venomous snakes. Vayamas amrav misrael, and many Jews died. Moshe, and the Jews came to Moshe. and they said, Chatanu, we sinned. We spoke against God and you. And you should remove from us the, the snakes. Moshe and Moshe Davin for the nation. So, what does Hashem normally do when Moshe Davin for the nation? Everybody, what does Hashem usually do? He takes away the Magefa. No. He doesn't take away the Magefa here. What does he say? Strange. Make a snake. Put him up on a stick. Anyone who got bitten should look up at it and he'll live. He made a copper snake. By the way, that's the snake on the doctor's white coat. The reason that there's a snake on a, if you look at a doctor, the symbol of medicine is a snake wrapped around a stick comes from this part of the Bible, the Torah, where the snake cured on the stick, snake on the snake, cured the people that were dying from the disease. So the medical field took the snake on the stick, and that's, you see on all medical symbols, a snake on the stick. That's where it comes from. You put on the stick. If the snake bit a person, he would look at this copper snake, and he would live. What, what, what is going on over here? It doesn't make any sense. Why, why did Hashem have to tell him, make a snake, look at the snake, then you'll get better. Hashem should have said, I accept the chuba, and they got better, and, and they should get a rufua. First of all, a snake, uh, making a snake is like an avoid zara. Sort of. In fact, th- we don't have that snake anymore. It was put away because Hashem was scared that we're talking going to make it into an avoid zara. Because people looked at it and they got healthy. So, so what's going on over here? Right? It's hard to understand. The Chama. When Hashem just cure them. The whole thing, they have to look up at a snake. And what's the snake business? Why did Hashem make a snake? Very important. So, very, very, very scary. Very, very scary. In Sifri Kabbalah, I don't like to talk about the downside of the next world. But in Sifri Kabbalah, it's brought down. When a person does a sin, you create a malach. Now, I was always under the impression, so you, you, you do an Avera, the Malach goes up to, after you die, the Malach shows up at the court case, and he says, I am so-and-so, the daughter of so-and-so, on this and this day, at this and this time, I ate a cheeseburger. That's not what happens. It would have been good if that's what happened, but that's not what, it would be good, but that's not what happens. What happens is, when you create a Malach, the Malach is the Avera. So it's going to be you 
your head, and the rest of you in the shape of a cheeseburger. So that the malach doesn't talk. The malach that you create doesn't report the Avera, he shows the Avera. So you can't even, you can't argue it. Malach says, you did this, this, and this, and that. No, I didn't. Uh, you say I did? I say I didn't. So I, I can sit up there in the Bezim Shalmail after 120 years. You say I did? I say I didn't. Hey, you can't do that. Because the Malach is the Avera. So there's only one Malach in Shemayim that talks. I don't but, in other words, it's a cheeseburger with your head. <laughs> so, so, there's, there's no, you can't argue with it. That's what it is. You understand? It's, it's, um, you, you watch the movie, you weren't supposed to, right? A, 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 a naughty movie. So you're standing there and there's a big screen on your chest, right? With your head, your face, and a big screen, and the movie, the schmutz you looked at, for everybody to see. So you can't argue with that, Malak. It's you with the movie. It's you with the cheeseburger. It's you with the guy. It's you. It's sick. It is so scary. I don't want to even read it from inside. It is so scary because because there, there's nowhere to hide in the next world. It's not like you can go into a closet. So, and, and that's what it says. It's not like Hashem's punishing you. It's a consequence. Your actions in this world create an angel. It's not like I'm punishing you, I'm making you an angel. That's the power of the human being. Every action that we do in this physical world creates the same thing in spiritual. So it's, 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 it's not anything different than, than taking a movie of why you're doing the sin. So you're going to be angry at the camera? Oi! Why am I being punished? Why is the camera taking the picture? The camera is just taking a picture of what you did. You're not being punished. That's what you did. So in the next world, there's, 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 there's no deal. And, and I saw in a different safer, which was, right, so, so, but you could do chuva. You do chuva. That's it. You put him through a grinder, he's gone. Person who does tshuva, the malach is gone. And there's certain averis that a person's emuna, that, that, that a person's emuna is able to cover. But anyway, there's one avera that the malach talks. And this malach, he, he, he looks exactly like you. There's no pictures of anything else outside. He looks exactly like you. But all he does is talk. And when he stands in front of the Bezdin, no one has any idea what's going to come out of his mouth. But we know one thing is going to come out of his mouth. Lashon Hara. Because the Avera of Lashon Hara doesn't take the shape of a person. The Avera of Lashon Hara is what you said. So it's a Malach of you and your voice saying that nasty thing about that other person... Mamash, a recording of what you said coming out of that malach's <laughs> mouth. Can I say something? Sure. Um, if you sin um, but many, many years ago and you keep on being punished, you need relief and you need punishment after a while. You don't keep getting punished for an Avera. You get punished once for an Avera. You don't keep getting that's punished. Not, that's, not, that's not how I'm feeling. I feel. I'm being punished Mentally, continue. So, for, first of all, punishment is a, is, a, is, a, is a very interesting word. I can give you an example, Nechama, of what I just went through. He stuck a tube up my nose. When he did that, I thought they were ripping my head apart. Right. But he wasn't punishing me. It would hurt me so much. If he wouldn't have done that, then I may have Chavshon died. I may have Chavshon been in the hospital for six months. So that guy, even though he put me through such crazy pain, right... He did me the biggest favor in the world. So not always is pain punishment. But the rabbi, after a while, you lose your faith because the pain of being punished so much 
is too much. I'm a human being. Right. So, so we, we can't get into, into personal one-on-one, one-on-one relationships. But, but the, the, the more you get close to our Kurdish Baruch Hu, and the more you understand that, that, and, and I, I have to tell you that really about three hours into that thing being in my nose, I was going to call the guy to pull it out. Because, um, and not only that, when the pain subsided, right, I surely wanted to tell him to take it out. But they said they can't. They have to wait till the fluids are clear. Whatever they said. Now my struggle was that I need to take this out now. Because I'm even a little bit better. And the answer was, if you take it out now, then all the stuff we did till now is going to end up not working. So, so I have to gain control of oh, my mind. Right, exactly. It, so, so after that, it became mind over matter. Mm-hmm. It really did. I sat there and I said, really, if I pull this tube out of my nose right now, my stomach feels better. But they're telling me it's not ready, finished. And if I pull it out now, the whole thing is going to come back. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's strengthening your Muna. It's, I think it, my, um, my parents are so strict and my parents... Okay, we can't, we can't, I don't want to go into in front of, you're on camera and, and no one needs to know. And your parents, we don't want to say Lashon Har, Chatz Sholem. And, okay. and they, they, whatever they did, they thought they were doing the right thing. And um, I, I just explained this to a girl. It's hard to understand when you're not a parent. But I really feel that, that we all make mistakes. And um, I actually got up at graduation and asked forgiveness for some of the girls in the graduating class because I'm sort of the tough guy in the school and had to make some decisions that I felt were good for them, but they didn't. And I, and I explained to them, I said, you need to know that parents who make decisions, even when they're tough decisions, from love, from the right place, mm-hmm. even if they're wrong, they're sort of a little right because of where it came from. So, so some of us have parents that that make mistakes. I'm sure I've made mistakes as a parent. Nobody's perfect. But if the mistake came from a place of love, right? Because that's what they knew. That's what they saw in their house. We can't judge them. So, so then we have to understand them. Instead of judging them, we have to understand them, which is really, you're leading me into the second half of my, uh, of my shear, which is in Pasha's Balak. But, but yeah, I, 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 again, I'm telling you, you have, it's, it's mind over matter. You have to understand if Hashem is loving me, then he's not punishing me. That, that guy didn't love me, that hurt me, that did that, but he was a doctor and his job was to make me feel better. So, you know, so he did it. And, and, um, and the funny part was, after he did it, I said to him, why couldn't you have done it slower? This is just important because it really fits in with your question. I said, like, cause he, he did it so fast, he ripped my head off. And, and I said, why couldn't you do it slower? And he said, because slower, I would, you wouldn't have let me do it. There's no way you would have let me do it. Because it would have been painful and it would have taken so long, you would, you would never have let me do it. Because Baruch was a doctor and sometimes he just has to do certain things. And then after 120 years and the Shema comes up to Shemayim and it's like, thank you. I'm sitting in Ganeidin. I don't have to go to Gehenim. I don't have to suffer. It, it, you know, it, it says the pain in this world erases, you know. I, I turned around at the end of Shabbos. I'm like, God, I hope I got some credit, you know, for this Shabbos in the next world. Because, because pain erases. We don't, no, we don't understand. We so don't understand what's going on over here. Um, there's a chidah, which I'm not going to learn with you tonight, but I learned, if you hear the boy shir, if you go on to Torah anytime, or that, 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 that Zimri, that Pinchas killed in this week's parsha, that Pinchas was a, was a Gilgal of Yisro, Yosef, Yitzchak, Nadav and Avihu, he had to, he had to, he had to, Pinchas had to fix five Nishamas, and he fixed them all by killing Zimri. 
So, so who would know that? We, you know, so we don't, we don't know who our neshama, what we're carrying inside of us, what we have to do. So it just comes to a point where we have to trust the doctor. And sometimes what the doctor does is going to hurt. But at the end of the day, in, you know, in Olam Haba, you're going to sit there in Gan Eden and you're going to say, you know what, I th- thank you, it's not, I don't have to pay for it here, I paid for it here. But Mitzvah Shem, you shouldn't suffer, you're a poet, poets don't. You know? By the way, part of, part of, part of your, I think the most beautiful poem you've ever written, which to me, um, whatever, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do with this poem, but anyway, it's a, is the seagull, right? I think it's just a, it's just a, a mind-boggling, but that came from your pain. You could have never written that poem if you didn't have pain, if you didn't feel alone, the seagull looking for its nest and flying in the dark and has nowhere to rest. If you had a perfect life, you couldn't write that. So, so, so out of pain comes ingredients of who we are and comes growth. It's just you have to, you have to really believe that it's come, you know, that Akash Baruch is the one that's behind it. And you could daven that the pain should be less. 100%. You know, a little anesthesia. A little painkillers once in a while wouldn't be such a bad thing. Alright, anyway, so, so going back to, going back to, um, what I was saying. So what's up with this whole snake business? The answer is amazing. The answer is amazing. What was the Avera here? There's one thing which Baruch Hashem, I have to tell you all. That the book on Akar Satov is already four chapters. We're moving. And Amit Hashem, the book, my first book, together with the rabbi, um, is coming out, Amit Hashem, on Pesach, a book on Akar Satov. And I hope the other book, the book of memory, also at the same time. But we are, Art Scrolls putting it out, and we are writing it. It's real. First time. Yes, 100%. Well, there's going to be a sponsor for a day. I'm going to put that out. Sponsor for the whole book. It's, it's going to be sort of like that uh, Russian horror book, a lesson a day, where every single day you could you could every single day you could sponsor it. But I don't have the numbers yet. And I don't have everything. But that's not what's important. I'm very very excited. And and there's no Shiloh that Hakar Satov um, is the one thing that Hakar Baruch Hu, Hashem is strict, strict about it. But Hakar Satov, God has no patience for human beings or anything in this world who's a kafli tov who doesn't appreciate. And what happened here? The reason that they, would, they started dying right away, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have a chance to daven for them, and the reason it was a nachash was, what did Hashem do for them? Hashem gave them mun. Mun tastes like anything. The greatness of mun is that it tastes like anything. It tastes like everything, right? They came back and said, we want bread, right? We don't want this food. Hashem said, I went ahead... I created, you don't have to plant, you don't have to, you don't have to do any work. I created Hamoitzi Lechem Minashamayim. I created food that comes from heaven. It tastes like anything you want. And now you're throwing it back in my face and saying you don't want it? That's not what you want? You want real bread? You're a cuffway toe. Immediately, snakes came. Why snakes? Who was the first cuffway toe? The snachash was the one that taught, taught Chava how to be a cuffway toe. She said to the Nachash, God's great. He let me eat from everything in the garden except these two trees. He said, what are you talking about? God just doesn't want you to be like him. Eat from those two trees. Now imagine, I tell you, listen, you come to my house for Shabbos, you can go to any closet, Sholin, Kogel, Kishka. I've been talking about this since I got out of the hospital because I didn't eat anything Shabbos, right? <laughs> but like, right? You can go any closet in my house. You can have everything that you want. But there's one thing that I like blueberries I like blueberries and strawberries I bought myself a box of blueberries and I bought myself a box of strawberries 
You have grapes and figs and every fruit you want and anything you want. I'm begging you. I'm on a diet. Don't eat my blueberries and my raspberries. And you come to my house, right? And I gave you this all to eat. And then I come to the fridge for Shabbos morning. And the two things that you ate was the blueberries and the, and the, and the strawberries. So I understand. I, I brought you in. I made you my guest. I invited you in. I gave you the whole. Those are the two things you ate. So you're kafri toe. What's wrong with you? So, so, so the nachash was the one that taught Chava to be a kafri toe. So what was the punishment of the nachash? He lost his legs because Hashem said, "You're the only animal that could talk. You're the only animal that I made like a human being that has legs like a person and you stand like a person. So you're the one." Of all the animals that I made special, and you're the one that's a cuffly dive off with your legs. Now you're going to be like every animal. And your punishment is that anything that you eat will taste like dust. No taste for you. I created a world of colors and taste and all this. No, you're not going to have any taste at all. So what? So so what was the? It's a nice of shot. Listen to this. So what was the complaint of Klayisrow? Christ said, we don't want this man that tastes like anything you want. So what's the punishment? You're coffee toe? You don't want the man that tastes like anything. I created it that it could taste like anything you want for your good. Now you're throwing it back in my face. So now you're going to be killed by the nachash that has no taste. That everything tastes like offer. I gave you something that tastes like anything. You threw it back in my face. So who's going to kill you? The one that has no taste. The nachash. That's why Hashem sent the Nachash. That's why it wasn't a plague. Because the Kirsh Baruch Hu was trying to send a message to them that you're acting like the Nachash. And therefore the Nachash is going to be the one that bites you. So now, how do I cure you? So there's a very big psychological lesson here. Is Hashem said, take the Nachash and put it on a stick. And they're going to look up at the Nachash. But at the same time, they're going to look up at the Nachash. They're going to be looking up. This is very deep. They're going to be looking up at Shemayim, says Rashi, when they're going to look up at God, they're going to think of God, and they're going to be healed. So let me ask you girls, why would you put a snake on that stick? Put the luchos on that stick. They're going to look up at the luchos, think of Hashem, and get cured. The nachash is the satan. Why would I put the nachash on the stick to make you look up? First of all, you know the rule, the, the last thing you want to look at is the thing that bit you. Like, you just got bit by a snake. Okay, let's go to the snake uh, zoo. You know? Are you crazy? I just got bit by a snake. You take me to the snake zoo? So of all the things to put on the stick, don't put on the thing, the thing that's killing everybody. Put a safer tire up there. Put the lukas. If you want me to look up, put the lukas up there. So we learn a very big lesson in life is that you have to look at the stuff that took you down. You have to face your enemy. You have to face your fear. So Kosh Baruch Hu said, you have to face the snake again. But this time, you have to realize that I'm above the snake. And that I can help you beat your fear and beat where you got bitten, where you were self-bitten by what you did. I am above the snake. To put the luchos up there doesn't, doesn't give them the ability to go back at what they did wrong and fix it. Oh, 
So I, 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 I'm talking Lashon Hara. I'm do, I, I don't have a curse of Tov. But yes, the Lucha, it's Mecha, Shabbos, Kosher. Yeah, that's all fantastic. No, of course, Baruch said, you need to look at what you did. You were a snake. You were Kofi Toy. I gave you all this and you didn't want it. And you need to look at it. But you need to know that if you're willing to do tshuva, because they did come to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, we sinned. They did admit that they sinned. And you're willing to do tshuva, then you should know that I'm above the snake. And that was, that was the lesson, the lesson of, of why Kosh Baruch Hu used Nechashim. Because Nechashim were punished because they were Kofi Toiv. So the lesson that we learned from that whole parasha of the Nechashim is that a person has to have a Karsa Toiv. A person has to have a Karsa Toiv to Kosh Baruch Hu. And to appreciate whatever he gives. Of course, you're, you're thinking if I had the man, I wouldn't have done what they did. But it's not true. It's not true because it, it, in all the things in life that we have, we, we take it for granted. I have to tell you something that, that's, that I'm going to bring in next week to show it to you. So, so you know, part of the thing in the hospital is like, I was when I go out there, I'm going to read it word for word with a minion. I bring ten guys every time I come out of the bathroom. <laughs> know what I mean? Asheyotza! What a bracha! Uh, a bracha before you eat. You know, you can't eat, you can't drink. A shahakal and a bracha and a bracha achwena and everything takes on a whole different meaning when you don't have it. When you have something, even the mon for 40 years, you get used to it and you don't appreciate it. And that was, that was this whole pasha of Nechashim and Pasha's Chukas. And a person does not have to wait, chas to show them until they don't have something to realize what they're missing. Believe me. You can walk out of here tonight and just think about it. That's why I was so graphic. You're like, you don't have to tell me everything. I didn't tell you everything anyway. But I'm so graphic that you understand how, how, how lucky we say Right, the chachma that Hashem created us is, is amazing. He created. You know how long your intestine is? You guys, telling me it's like from here to the mountains. It's like a hundred miles. You're serious? Your intestines are wrapped up. It's like I don't know how many miles. Miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. Right? So the kavim, the kavim, chalulim, chalulim. You know Hashem. If one of those little teeny veins that's supposed to be closed opens up, right? Or one of the ones that are open, and that, that bracha I really know, right? Right? If one of them closed, you can't even last one second. You're jumping and dancing in pain. One second. I never understood. I mean, I knew, I knew what Ashiyot said. Yeah, okay, nice. But now I'm like thinking, oh baby, I know what it means when one of them closes. Right? And the bracha is a different bracha. Will it last forever? I don't know. But when I say it, I mamish think of what, you know, so a person doesn't have to go through all this pain in order to, to, um, to appreciate it. But I, I was just talking to the, to the, um, to the head counselor this morning of, um, of High Lifeline, Rifki Schwartz. And, um, I said to her, she came to my house, whatever it is, and for something else, and I said, I just have to tell you something, you know, I've been in Camp Simcha and I see kids with tubes and I see kids with feeding tubes and all that. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm saying like, oh my gosh, to have it, to have it for a, a week, a month, a year, two years, three years, the same tube that I, it's, it's not, it's not, I, like, how do you exist? How do you not, how do you not just jump somewhere, right? So, so I'm like, now I'm looking at these kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, my filler for them, my davening for them is different. I was, I, I was 48 hours, right? And, and, and I, I, it wasn't a breathing tube, chas v'shalom. And I was going crazy at the discomfort. So you, 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 you just, you just, you, 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 you're able to zone in on stuff that, 
that you just don't zone in. And, and I, I'm giving this over to you because I don't want you to have to go through something like that to, to, to get to that recognition. So I can tell you to get that recognition. You just have to appreciate that, that I walked out of the hospital, I walked out that front door, because in the hospital the windows don't open, right? So your mama's your prisoner. The truth is you're a prisoner, right? So my walk was going, walking around the, so the guy was laughing. If you go 15 times around, it's a mile. You know, thank you. So walking around the hospital looking at all the sick people. That's the only walk I could have. So I walked out of the hospital, the front door, I was like, I'm out of prison. I, 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 can, I can do what I want. I can jump. I can dance. I can, you know what I mean? I don't got to pull the string to get a glass of water. I can go to the refrigerator and get a glass of water. I don't have to pull the string to go get a glass of water. It's not normal. Okay. Anyway, I'm talking to you about it in the moment because in a week from now, I may not be so passionate about it. Okay, let's just talk really fast about Balak. So, happens to be my Bar Mitzvah Sedra. And it's an interesting, interesting Dvar Torah. Bayar Balak, first Pasuk. Bayar Balak ben Tzipar. Balak ben Tzipar, by the way, the Zaya says Balak was the grandson of Yisro. Okay. Bayar Balak ben Tzipar. First Pasuk tells us the whole mistake that Balak made. What was his mistake? And sometimes our mistake. Bayar Balak ben Tzipar. Balak was the king, right? Of, of, um, it's called Asha Asa Yisrael Emori. Balak saw everything that who did to the Emori? Are you all sleeping? I put you to sleep? You want to hear another horror story? Should I wake you up? Huh? You want to hear about what they did? You want, you want to hear about my, uh, my teeth? No, okay. But anyway, but I'm, I'm kidding. So, so, what happened in the first passage? Who do you hear? Balak heard what the Jews did to Emori. So then he wasn't scared of them. So he went to curse them. Because if it's the Jews and not God, so it's another nation, the Jewish nation. I got a big army, they got a big army. So we're going to curse them, then we're going to go to war with them. Now, if you remember, or if you even heard, the Haftorah in Pasha Shlach, Rachav, right, who was in the walls of Yericho, what does she say about Emori? She says, listen to this. Right? She was in Isha Zona. She was uh, uh, the head of a, of, a, of, a, of a hotel, motel, whatever. So we don't know exactly. Zona means really she fed people. But anyway, she was a guy living in the walls of Yericho. Listen to what she says. She said to the two spies, to the two Jewish spies. Yodati, I know, I know that God gave you the land. And therefore we are scared because we heard that Hashem captured the Yamsuf and what happened to Emori, the same kings, the Melech Emori. I heard what God did to the kings of Emori. So Rachav ended up telling them, to promise her to save her family, and everybody was saved. And her whole family was saved, and she was saved. And I believe she she married Yoshua, right? Am I right? Right? All the girls back from seminary. Come on. Right? She ended up marrying Yoshua. Right? Right? Rachel. She ended up marrying Yoshua. There's a whole Gilgal there also, but whatever. And why? Because she said, I heard what God did to them, Mori. First passing in this week's Parsha, Bullock heard what the Jews did to him, Mori. So he missed, he missed the whole picture that a Baruch was the one that did it to their Mori. Now, and we'll, and we'll end with this, and this is Mamish, the lesson of this week's parasha, and last night I was going crazy about my boy share. Everybody knows the story of the donkey. 
Right? So the Mishnah Pirkei says that right before Shabbos, Ben Hashemoshet, Erev Shabbos, God created Espiha Asam, the mouth of the donkey. So they made fun of me once, the speaker got up, and he said, why did God have to create Ben Hashemoshet, the mouth of the donkey? This story that happened with the, the Hamar happened 2,000 years later. Why did he create it on the spot? Why did he have to create it all the way back then? So he says, we know that other Machaba got married when? They got married Friday. Erev Shabbos, creation, six-day creation. They got married. So it means that Friday night, that Friday was the Shabbat Bachas. So this guy got up and he said, I was the next speaker, so he was making fun of me. So he said, what happened was that God had no more speakers. There were no speakers left for the Shabbat Bachas, and it wasn't Shabbos yet. So he created the Pia Aslan. She'd have another speaker. Okay, and then he introduced me. So it wasn't really nice, but it was, it was, it was pretty funny. So the question is, girls, listen to this story. There's a, Bilaam's on a donkey. He's going to curse Klai Yisrael. Right? The donkey sees a malach standing with a sword. The donkey turns away. Bilaam's hitting him. He says, what are you turning away? We got to go this way. He turns away. Then he goes into a, a bunch of thorns. He starts hurting Bilaam. Bilaam hits him again. He says, what are you doing? You're my donkey, right? Then he squashes Bilaam's leg against the wall and he hits him again. Finally, the mouth of the donkey opens up. What does the mouth of the donkey say? Anyone here know? What do you say? Why'd you hit me these three times? Haven't I been a good donkey? And Bilaam says, yes you have. And then what happens? The Malach appears and Bilaam sees the Malach and he gets very scared and the Malach says, I should have killed you and let the donkey live. Instead, I killed the donkey and I let you live. Now let me ask you somebody. Is, is this something that God should have created a miracle in the world against nature that a donkey should talk? What did the donkey say already? Yes. And the donkey should have said... What the donkey... What should the donkey say? He hit him, tw- hit him once. He hit him twice. He hit him three times. The donkey should have said, Idiot! There's a malach in front of me with a sword! And if we're going to go that way, he's going to kill us. And Bilaam would have said, Oy vey, I'm sorry. Why didn't the donkey tell Bilaam the truth? He saw the malach. And he should have said, there's a malach in front of me. He never tells Bilaam about the malach. Bilaam finds out about the malach because the malach reveals himself to Bilaam. If you're opening your mouth, tell him what you see. So what's going on over here? And I want to read it to you. You have to, you have to read, I have to read it to you from inside. So he says the following. Listen to this. Unbelievable. He sees the malach. He squashes his leg. And he hits him again. And the malach comes up again. And he says, the donkey says, I can't go left or right. Right? And he, now he couldn't go anywhere. So he sort of like threw Bilom. He didn't throw him, but he like, he like crouched. Right? But Yichar Bilam he got angry and he hit him again by Makel. He tells to the Bilam, "What did I do to you? That you hit me these three times." So now they're having a conversation. You embarrassed me because don't forget he was going together with all these guys from Moab. So it looks like he can't even control a donkey. How's he going to control the Jews, right? So he goes, you donkey! You embarrassed me." If I had a sword in my hand right now, I'd kill you. 
A time of Asen al So at this point, the Asen should have told Bilam, you kill me? Hello, you idiot. There's a, there's a Malach in front of me. No. The donkey's a nice donkey. Doesn't want to embarrass Bilam. So he says something else. Pasik Lamed. A time of Asen al Aren't I your donkey that you rode on me from 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 the beginning till today? Have I ever? This is the big words. Have I ever did such a thing to you before? So Bilam thought for a second. By Yom Elo, he says, "You've always been a good donkey." End of the donkey's talking. The donkey never spoke again. The Malach killed the donkey. Because had the donkey not been killed, it would have become an avoid Zara, Because all the, the people in Moab saw this donkey talking, and they would have said it's a god. So the Malach had to kill the donkey. Right? So now the donkey is finished. What did the donkey say? All he said to him was, haven't I been a good wife? The measure says, I don't want to get into it, but the donkey was Bilaam's wife. And he used to be sleep with it, and he used to do all kinds of avarice with it. And the reason he did that was because for him to have the power that he had, he had to go to the tumor side, to the worst tumor part that he could. And sleeping with an animal is the worst tumor that a person could do. And therefore, the donkey was actually saying to him in a lush and nucky, because the donkey, listen to this, this is crazy. You have to read this medrash. To every parent, and to every teacher, and to every friend. The donkey really should have said, I'm your wife. We've been sleeping together all our lives. I've always been there for you. How could you do this to me? Why didn't the donkey didn't say that? The donkey just said, haven't I, haven't I been a good donkey that I let you, I, that I, that you wrote on me? So the manager says, because the donkey didn't want to embarrass him in front of the people of Moab. The donkey was worried about embarrassing this Russia by telling everyone that we sleep together. The donkey was worried about the feelings of Bilam who was beating him up. It's a donkey. And we're not sensitive in how we talk to people in front of other people so they shouldn't be embarrassed. So now, the Malach is going to let Bilam have it. And he says to Bilam, Why did you hit him? I was standing there. And he couldn't get by me. I hear this so many times. And we're going to end with this. And Bilam says to the Malach Hashem, I have sinned. I hit my donkey. I have sinned. What's your sin? What did he do? What did he do wrong? What was his, what did he do wrong? He didn't have a curse at all. He didn't realize that if the donkey is always there for him, if right now he's not there for him, there must be a reason. And he should have asked the donkey, what's going on? Instead, he just beat it, and he beat it, and he beat it. So, he said, Khatasi, I sinned. My sin is, I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I, I hit my donkey when she didn't deserve it. No. No, when you're full of yourself. No, you don't see anybody else. So, what does the donkey say? What, is, what does Bilam say? Khatasi, what is my sin? My sin is that I didn't know that you were there. My sin is that my donkey was able to see you and I didn't. Not that my sin was that I hit the donkey, he didn't deserve it. No, it's about me. I should have seen you. What's going on here? What's going on here, everybody, who's listening to this year? Let me tell you a rule. You need to know this rule. No person leaves their environment 
willingly. A Hasidish person doesn't become a non-Hasidish person because he woke up in the morning. A girl who's religious doesn't wake up in the morning and say, I don't believe in God, I want a cheeseburger. A kid who's doing good in 8th grade and ninth grade and all of a sudden just goes down a cliff and is miserable and is failing doesn't just happen. Nobody leaves their environment willingly. When a person is a massive change in their behavior or in their environment, it's because they were pushed out of their environment. Floridians don't go to Alaska in the summer when it's hot. Eskimos don't go in the freezing cold to Florida because Eskimos will be very uncomfortable in Florida and Floridians will be very uncomfortable. Aye, what do you mean? It's 25 degrees below zero. Go to Florida, at least it's 70 degrees. Why don't you go? Because I'm used to 25 degrees below zero. I love 25. I love snow. I love ice. That's who I am because I'm an Eskimo. How do we know this from the Torah? Everything's from the Torah. Because Lech Lecha shouldn't have been a test. Hashem said, leave your parents, leave your family, and go to a land where you're going to be the richest, the, the head of a... You're going to have everything that you want. So what's the test? The answer is, with all that, to leave your environment is so hard. So when you see a child, that, and, and it's so easy for me, I don't understand why other people don't know how to do this. But someone comes to me and they're like... I have a 10th grader, she doesn't believe in God, she's not eating kosher, she's talking to boys. She was, my, I don't know, my Shefala, she was so great till 9th grade, she was perfect, everything was amazing. Uh, and she comes back to class, and, and she, I, don't, I don't know who she is, I, don't, I can't talk to my daughter anymore. I don't know who she is, she was, she was the apple of my eye, look what happened to her. And I'm like, eh, it didn't just happen. Okay, let's take a look, 1st grade good, 8th grade good, ninth grade good. So when did this happen all of a sudden? When she came back from camp. Oh, when she came back from camp. So that means that from when she, when she left the camp, she was a shefala. She came back from camp, she doesn't believe in God. You think that she just walked into a tree and something happened? <laughs> something happened in camp. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe someone embarrassed her. Maybe some, something happened. You don't go from an Aleph lovable kid to a Dalit miserable kid. But what happens? Will I do them? Oh, you're bad? Whack! Oh, you're this? Whack! Instead of thinking, one second, this kid's been good all her life. The donkey said, I've been good to you all my life. I was, a, I was a good person. I was a good donkey. Now I change? Why don't you think about, if I change, there must be something in the way. There's something in the way. That's why I changed. I didn't just wake up and change. But what do we do? We're like Bilam. What happens afterwards? We're like, oh. Oh, I was very hard on her. Well, it's my fault that I didn't see this coming in seventh grade. Exactly like what he said. Instead of Chatanu, look what I did to this kid. Look what I did to this kid. Instead of trying to figure out why she changed, I took her phone away. I locked her in the room. We screamed and we punished her. We threw her out of school. We put her on the street. We threw this kid out. What do you mean? She's a tenth grade. He's throwing out of school. But in ninth grade, she was perfect. What are you throwing out of school for? Oh, we should have never taken her. Exactly like Billum. Oh, it's us, it's us. We're looking at us. We're not looking at her. But she, she had a problem. That's why she went off the derech. The first thing that ever went off the derech in the Torah was a chamar. That's right. This animal went off the derech. Saw by derech. That's the Russian. He went off the derech. Here's the first guy that went over the derech was a chamar. And you know why he went off the derech, even the chamar? Because he had no choice. Because there was a malach standing in his way. That's why he went off the derech. Even a chamar, listen carefully, kalvachoymer. Even a chamar doesn't go off the derech unless there's a reason. 
Allah of Kama, surely, but surely a person doesn't go off the derech if there's no reason. This is Pasha's Bullock. This is a reason that God created a mouth on a donkey screaming to all of us. He didn't need the donkey to scream, there's a malach. There's no lesson in that story to us. He didn't see the malach, the donkey saw the malach. So the donkey tells Bilam, hey, there's a malach. Hashem didn't have to create a mouth on a donkey to, that, that, that he didn't see the malach. There's no lesson in that. Hashem had to create Ben Hashemashat, because Baruch said, curse a time. The other way around, if you have a parent, your mother was good to you since you were born, and she bought you food, and she took care of you, and she took you to the doctor, and she loved you, and all of a sudden your mother's telling you, no, I don't want you to have this phone, I don't want you to have this friend, I don't want you to be after three o'clock. And all of a sudden you're like, that's it, I'm not talking to her anymore, I don't have anything to do with her anymore. She's saying the same thing, haven't I been there all your life? So if right now I'm saying no, maybe there's a reason, maybe there's something in the way, Maybe there's a reason I'm saying no. Why are you discounting, like the Chamor said, discounting all the good I did for you right now? So why are you discounting your mother and father? All they're good because now they're not good because they said no? It must be there's a reason that they're saying no. And this is the lesson of this Chamor who, who, the minute he said that out of his mouth and he said, I've been there for you all my life. Why are you hitting me? That's all he had to say. And he's dead. The message is given. There's no reason for the Chamar to talk anymore. He's killed. He's dead. He did a shlichus. It's over. That's the lesson of this week's parasha. And we need to get that lesson. Instead of jumping at each other, we have to think about, so why did this child go off the derech? Something is in the way. Because people don't change their circumstances and their atmosphere and where they are willingly. You don't, Rabbi Matthew Solomon said, you don't drop out. You get pushed out. People don't leave their environment. They get pushed out of their environment. And if you don't figure out what's pushing them out of the environment, then you can't get them back in. And that's the lesson of this week's parasha. That's the lesson of the Piha Asain. And Akash Baruch who felt that it was worth changing the Bria and creating this before Shabbos. And the basis of this whole thing is the Asun was screaming once again, Hakaras Hataiv. Where is your appreciation? I have been there for you my whole life. And the minute I do something wrong, you start to hit me. The second I'm not there, you start to hit me instead of trying to figure out that maybe you have Hakaras Hataiv. So, Achas Kama Vakama, the lesson for all of us is Hakadish Baruchu. And that's the answer to you, Nechama. Hakadish Baruchu, you're right, there is pain. You're 100% there's pain, but there's love. And there's happiness. And you went to a Shabbaton. And you read poetry in front of everybody. And people walked out of there crying. And you changed their lives. So there's, in the same God, the same God that gave you the ability to write poetry, and the same God that gave you the, to be the Rosh Hashiva of this place, and the same God that people send me emails and say, Nechama is amazing and she changed my life. That same God that gives us good. So once in a while he gives us a patch, but we can't start hitting him right away and start saying, well, but what do you mean? How can you do this to me? I'm finished with you. That's what, the lesson of this. Yes, it's the same God. And you know, and everybody comes to me and, 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 and how bad the world is. And I, I say this all the time. And, and, and I went to Leviah and this kid's sick and that kid's sick. And, 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 and look at this list. Look at this list that I read, right? And, and, and the sitter. I, I read such a list before Shalema. And you think to yourself, what's going on? The list is getting longer. How come no one ever came to me 
and gave me a list to read of all the babies that were born this week. Thousands. Thousands of children had a bris this week. Thousands of children, girls got names this week. Nobody ever came up and says, the Wallstein, let's read all the names of all the new children in Klyusrol. God just gets the bad side. Just, we go to Levias. Hey, well, I can't believe this person died and that person died. But, but Ruth will be a witness. There are not lines, right? There are not lines in Maimonides of people that are coming to watch all the babies that were born. Nobody goes to see the good of God. All the babies that were born. We should line up and everyone should go line up to the hospital and say, let's go for a walk and see all the hundreds in Maimonides, all the babies in the infirmary that were born today. Nobody goes to that. There's lists of Rufu Shalema. Everyone walks out. What's with this guy? What's up with him? And Hashem's there. Why don't you read a list of all the kids that were born this week? Why don't you read a list of, you know, there's a shit of crisis? How can you no talk about all the beautiful weddings that you can't get a wedding hall in June? You can't get a wedding hall in August. You can't. You got to go out to Anchorage, Alaska to find a hall. There are no halls. I'm serious. And they're building more halls and there's still no halls. But nobody talks about all the weddings that happened this week. And nobody talks about all the babies that were born this week. And nobody talks about all the birthdays of the people that, are, that lived another year. And nobody talks about all the anniversaries of the 50th anniversary and 60th and 40th and 30th of the good marriages. No. We only talk about the bad stuff. So we're angry and we're screaming. How could you do this? And I could Baruch say... Haven't I created a world with flowers and fruit and the sun and smell and taste? Haven't I created all this? So when something's not going right, right away, smack, smack, smack. I'm off the derrick. I don't believe. The whole thing's garbage. Have a good day. So Hashem had to teach us this lesson from the mouth of a donkey. And that's this week's parasha. So to fix it, we have to walk out of here tonight. And we have to show Kosh and we have to make brachas. And we have to make an ashiyatza. We have to make a bracha before we eat a fruit. And we have to show our Kodesh Baruch Hu that we understand that sometimes, yeah, there's a malach, there's whatever, there's something, there's something in the way that you put in the way, but there's a reason for it to be in the way. And that we trust you and we love you and we care about you. And then, Be'ezrat Hashem, we'll see Mashiach from Harry You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.